All right. We're going to jump back into Ephesians and just keep on trucking. But I want to, I want to start and, and tell you about a, a trip I took some years ago. I was a pastor at another church in the area, and we, we did a missions trip, which may seem a little weird, but it really was an actual missions trip to the borough of Queens in New York City. <laughs> and uh, the, the boroughs are different than like Times Square, right? The boroughs are where people actually live, and they develop even their own cultural distinctiveness even within the boroughs. Well, I was taking a group of teenagers and uh, several youth leaders from here, from Virginia, and one of our leaders had this particularly uh, stereotypical southern drawl. So we're walking all around the borough of Queens, handing out invitations to a block party at the end of the week. And there was this one group of guys hanging out on a doorstep somewhere, and several of us walked up, and this lady looked at him and said, hey, y'all, <laughs> how y'all doing? And engage them in conversation, and we'd love y'all to come to our block party at the end of this week. We sure hope you can be there. And one of them looked at her and said, you're not from around here, are you? It's, it's interesting when you live in a place where you are not actually part of the people. And I think we've all experienced that to a degree. And I know lots of you have been in other parts of the world, perhaps lived in other parts of the world where you never really belong. Maybe in those cases, the language is different. Even when we take our missions trips, right? We go to places where the language is just, all of a sudden, we're the foreigner. We're the alien. We're the stranger. We can't speak what they speak, even if we've worked at our Spanish a little bit. You know, we're like, wait, baño. I got to go to the baño, you know. And, and so we, we know a few words, but for the most part, we depend on somebody else to help us function, right? That's a little bit like what this passage of scripture is talking about in Ephesians 2. We're going to start in verse 11. And, uh, we almost went, as some of you know, we, our family, I mean, almost went to Australia as missionaries at one point in time. That wouldn't have been a, a language change, but there would have been a few other things that changed. And in the final outcome, we were not able to get a visa to live in the country long term because of our family's situation. And so we, uh, we tried to go in as temporary residents or resident aliens, and some people will come to a country for a period of time and live temporarily, never fully become a citizen, but they'll become a resident alien. Ephesians chapter 2 is talking about the time that we were not part of God's kingdom, not part of God's family, and what that was like previously. So my hope today is you'll leave here really super encouraged as you remember what, what you were before you came to Christ and what God has accomplished in order to get you to what you are and to remember that the best is still yet to come. I mean, I don't want to ever give people the impression, man, you get saved, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome, but it's, it's not always awesome, right? I mean, sometimes you face things as a Christian that you wouldn't if you weren't. And no matter how good it gets, the best news is it gets better in the future. And that's all here. So let's start in verse 11. And I want to read actually just 11 and 12 to start with. Therefore, remember. Okay, I said I was going to read that. But 
remembering is a really good thing for us. It's really, really important that we take time to remember. Remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the thing you should remember. Now, uh, Pastor Nate sent me a link to a fellow who preached a sermon on racial, uh, what's the word? Reconciliation. Reconciliation, thank you from this passage of scripture, and it was incredible. And we could go there, and I actually had, had thought of that a little bit, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stick with the spiritual ramifications of this, but I want you to remember something in the background of this story, or I should say of this teaching from the Apostle Paul. Jews and Gentiles did not get along. There was no love loss. It wasn't like Gentiles were like, oh, I wish they would like us. Gentiles didn't like the Jews. Jews didn't like Gentiles, right? The Samaritans were kind of a mix of the two, and everybody hated them. It was, it was not good. There was incredible division between these people because back in the earliest days of human history, God had said to Abraham, I'm going to take you out of all the peoples of the earth, and I'm going to establish a people. And so from that day on, God began to build his people. Now, we're going to talk next week about the fact that, that God's intention was never to limit that to the people of Israel, but it's where he began, and it is the means by which he sent us the Messiah. But the, the Jews began to develop this idea, look what we have. We have all of the things listed in this verse. We have the covenant from God. We have the promises of God. We have the law. And Paul often taught Jewish people in the church, those things are no particular advantage to you. And he's addressing that concept here. But this idea of, circum of, of alienation starts, uh, this first section is alienation. And there was this incredible sense of them versus us both on the part of Jews and on the part of Gentiles. Everybody that wasn't a Jew would be a Gentile. So there was this incredible distinction between them, and they did not want anything to do with each other. Anytime we mistake advantages or opportunities or benefits that we have for things that we deserve, anytime we think we deserve what we have, we're starting down a bad, bad road. Because usually that means the people who don't have the advantages I have, it's probably their fault. There's something about them that makes them not have that. And we forget that what we have is given to us by God. And there's a, we can go through a whole lengthy discussion, and I will mention it occasionally as we go. But I really would encourage you to spend a little time thinking through this passage of Scripture because... Racial reconciliation happens in Christ, right? We don't have to figure out how to reconcile with each other. We are reconciled in Christ. Whether our heritage is from Europe or from uh, Africa or from somewhere in, on the Asian continent or from South America, we are reconciled 
to one another in Christ when we are reconciled to God. So uh, that's something to think about. But here was our situation spiritually. Here was our situation even politically. Verse 12, remember, you were separated from Christ. Now, we don't recognize how bad that is until we're no longer separated from Christ, right? We don't, we don't, we don't think about the reality that, man, that is a horrible thing. We know people who've gone through difficult circumstances. They may have undergone a, a separation or even a divorce in their marriage or a separation and an estrangement from a, another extended family member or a, a friend that they used to have, and we get separated. And man, we know that that's hard, but we don't realize how bad it is to be separated from Christ until we aren't anymore, right? Paul says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. You were apart from him. You had no relationship. You were alienated from Christ. And you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So you were not part of the people of God as it was understood, at least at the time that this book was written. You weren't part of that. You were politically disconnected. You were spiritually disconnected from the people of God. The Israelites lived under a theocracy. God was not only their king, he was their God. And so there was this complete mixing of the spiritual and the, the national in the people of Israel in the Old Testament. At least that's how we understood it. And so the, the, uh, the Gentile wasn't part of that. They were apart from Christ. They were politically and spiritually disconnected. They were strangers to the covenants. The Israelites knew about the covenant with Noah and the covenant with, with uh, Moses and the covenant with Abraham and so on. They knew the covenants and what had happened and what God had promised and how he increasingly displayed his plan as these covenants came. But still, the Israelites tended to think, those are ours. God made these covenants with us, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so on. You Gentiles, he says, remember, you used to be strangers to the covenants. Now, the covenants all were fulfilled in the new covenant and through and in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came and fulfilled the covenants. But in this process of time, Paul says, remember, you weren't part of it. When uh, in our home... I'll pick on Mitch, and now he'll get all embarrassed. But um, he, <laughs> we like to go places, but he likes to go with one of us, generally. Occasionally, he'll go with all of us, but he'll go with one. He'll go with me, and we'll go take a ride, or we'll go stand in line for an hour at Bass Pro just to get in the door, and whatever. Um, and what we say when we decide we want to go somewhere is, they're not invited. Mom's not invited, Laura's not invited, whoever. Or if he goes with mom, they're not invited. That's where we were, right? We weren't invited. We were, we were strangers from the covenants. If you wanted to enjoy the benefits of the covenants throughout the Old Testament, you became a proselyte to Judaism. And that's why there were often in the laws that God gave to his people, there were these comments about the stranger and alien among you. There were people who lived among the Jews who were even seeking to follow after the customs and the, the lifestyle of the Jews, but they were always strangers. That's what we were. 
and it keeps getting worse. I know, this is a really encouraging start, right? Um, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. Not just that you didn't know any, not just that you were hopeless, that's certainly true, but you had no right to have any hope. All of those things meant you were, you were over here. You had no right to have hope. You weren't in possession of it, and you had no reason to have any hope. And worst of all, without God in the world. Literally, atheist is the word. You were separate from God. There was, there just wasn't, it didn't apply to you. You were without God. It isn't that you just didn't believe him. It isn't that I just hadn't trusted Christ. It was that I was his enemy. Well, that's all pretty horrible, right? That's just awful. But Paul says, to appreciate what God has done, we need to remember we remember we're apart from Christ, we're disconnected, we're not included in the covenants, we have no hope, and we are without God. That's what we were. There are a lot of places in the Bible where Paul does that. He goes back to what you were so we can appreciate what God has done for us. And then in verse 13, he begins with a little phrase that's very similar to the one that was in last week's passage, where in verse 4 it said, but God. Now it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This is an incredible section. This is all about reconciliation. This is what God has done. I hope this will help you to remember the corporate nature of our faith, right? God, God doesn't just save us to rescue us individually from hell and so we can have a better life. God, God saves us to make us part of his people, part of a community, part of uh, his plan of the ages. And this, it helps us remember that even our salvation isn't about us. It's about God and his glory. So it's reconciliation, but now something revolutionary has happened. It's a, it's a contrast. And the thing that happened was we came from far to near. Actually, in, in listening to that message, I was reminded of some things about the way the temple was. Uh, the people that were reading this would have known about the temple and how things were there. And here's how it worked. And we'll all hate this, so, you know, feel free. But the men, the Jewish men, would sit up toward the front. 
because they were the ones who were most important. Then there would be the Jewish women because they were, frankly, less important than the men. And so they sat further back. And beyond both of those, in what was called the court of the Gentiles, sat all the Gentiles who had any interest in hearing what was going on. So literally, in the temple, the Gentiles were far off. And the women were a little bit closer, but they were still far off. It was so messed up. You've been brought from far to near in Christ. Verse 13, but now in Christ... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What an incredible picture. It was, it was an actual physical reality to them that they would have identified with, but it is also just simply a spiritual reality. I was far away from Christ and I've been brought near. In Christ, I have been brought near to God. He himself, verse 14 says, is our peace. Verses are popping to your mind. Maybe John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, said Jesus. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That was the constant teaching of Jesus while he was on earth, and Paul is reminding us that it is in Christ that we have been, gone, we've been taken from being far away to being near. What was the reason? Again, I think this is really important because we want to remember that we are not just individual Christians. That's a very American concept, and it's hard for us to, to divest ourselves of this thinking that we're, uh, we're just, we're saved, you know, our, we take Christ as our personal savior. We even use that term. And it's certainly true. We are individually saved. You don't, you're not saved because you're part of a particular group, but you are saved to be part of something that God is doing. And the purpose is this, verse 14, for he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He made us both one. Verse 15, he wanted to create in himself one new man in place of the two. So Jews didn't become Gentile Christians, and Gentiles didn't become Jews. Jews and Gentiles became one new man. God was doing something that nobody expected. And again, next week we're going to talk a little more Excuse me, about the mystery of the gospel. His purpose was to make one new man, and then, according to verse 16, to reconcile us both to God. So he wanted us right with him. <clears throat> he made us both one, and then reconciled us to God. That's why he was doing this. You can see, you can see where that all applies to the issue of race relations, right? Uh, we come in Christ together. There's no distinction. And when we act like there's 
There are distinctives that make us unique, but they should never be viewed as things that make us different and not part of what's going on. The purpose, the means, how did he accomplish it? Again, he uses three phrases. The first is in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you've been brought, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's what it took. Verse 14, he broke down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It was, if we could understand the, the, the way that Jews and Gentiles got along or more property, properly did not get along in the days of the New Testament, there was hostility. He broke that down in his flesh, and verse 16 says he did it in the cross. He reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross. That's how he accomplished it. That was the means. Fourth, the process. What did he do? He began by breaking down the dividing wall. That wasn't just, you know, the curtain that separated. That wasn't, that, that was the hostility itself was the thing that divided us from each other. And he broke that down by abolishing the law, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. He broke down the hostility by stopping the, what the Jews thought was the effectiveness of the law in making people right with God. He fulfilled the law and thereby abolished the law of commandments, and he made peace. Acts chapter 10, this is the first time the gospel went specifically to the Gentiles. After Cornelius had... Uh, sought after God, it, it tells us in the early part of, uh, of Acts chapter 10 that uh, this, was, this was a man, Cornelius was a man who was a, a God-fearer. He feared God, but he wasn't a Jew. And so this is like a watershed time in the, in the church's history. And this is earlier in the chapters where God sent the sheet down and it had all these unclean animals that Jews were not allowed to eat under the law and Peter said, oh, nope, I'm not having any of that. And, and uh, the, it came back again. He said, nope, I'm not having any of that. And God said to Peter, what I have called clean, don't you call unclean. That's how bad the animosity was, the hostility. To the, to the Jew, a Gentile was a dog. They were unclean. After Peter went and talked to Cornelius and this family is beginning to come to faith, Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what's right is acceptable to him. That was revolutionary to the Jewish mindset. I'm not going to read the rest of that. Anyway, um, so there's this, there's this incredible sense of... of uh, Killing of hostility. I love that phrase in verse 16. He killed the hostility. <laughs> hostility is bad on its own, so you just got to root it out. And Jesus did that. He killed the hostility, and he communicated the good news of peace. He came and preached peace. He preached peace to we who were far off and to those who were near. Everybody needed 
this. Everybody needed to be reconciled to God. The Jews had made the mistake of thinking they had a corner on that market. They thought, well, we're okay, we're good, we got this, and we're, you know, we've got the covenants, we've got this, we've got the promise, we've got this, this, and this. We're all good with God. And God came, Jesus came, preaching peace to the ones in the back row and to the ones in the front row. He preached peace to those who were far off spiritually and to those who at least thought they were nearer. We all have to come to be reconciled. And so he granted us both access to God. Through him, verse 18 says, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So, by way of explanation, so then, verse 19 says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He uses the picture of a household. We're family now. We're, we're no longer strangers and aliens. We're no longer people in a country that we don't really belong in. We are now together in a new kingdom and our family and fellow citizens, the structure of which began with the apostles and prophets whom God gave us the foundation of the church and Jesus as the cornerstone. Cornerstones don't function today as much like they used to in old days. There was always a cornerstone that kind of held everything together. Uh, nowadays, it just has the date on it of when you finish the building, right? You pop the cornerstone in, and that's when we built this thing. Um, but the picture of a cornerstone is the thing that's kind of the central feature that everything's being held together by, and that's who Jesus is as it relates to this new man. And the whole structure is joined together into a holy temple in the Lord, holy as in set apart for God and pure and prepared for his presence. And then 22 is where we get the long view which I really love. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So here is this, this anticipation. Yes, now we are near. Now we are in Christ. Now we've been reconciled to God. We've been reconciled to one another. Now we're family. Now we're citizens of God's kingdom. All these really great things that used to not be true of us. But in the long run, there is also this sense of we are being built together. It's an ongoing process where God will dwell. The temple was where God dwelt. We are the temple of God, the temple of the Spirit of God. But together, there is still a sense in which we are where God dwells. The Bible talks about God dwelling among, in the praise of his people, but also gives the picture in Revelation chapter 21 of the place where God would dwell. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. 
So the best is still yet to come. We have all of these spiritual benefits. We are now part of the family of God, the family of believers, the the covenant people of God. That only secures for us what is yet to come. So it's just, it's going to be incredible. So I hope that you're encouraged by that. I hope remembering what it was, however long ago it was for you. I mean, it's 50-some years ago that I trusted in Jesus, but before that I was all those things, even though I was young. I was a young boy when I trusted in Christ, but before that I was separated from Christ. I was alienated. I I was all of these negative things. I had no hope and no right to have any hope, and I was without God. But in Christ... That all changes. So, man, if you're uh, trying to encourage people in these uh, interesting days that we're in, encourage them with the hope they can have in Christ. Remind them of the, uh, that the picture is bigger than what we're in right now. It's always bigger than where we are right now. And there's so much for us to hope in and rejoice in in Christ And I'm really glad for that. All right, listen, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then these guys are going to come back, and we're going to sing another song before we head out, all right? Father, thank you. It's good to be teaching again. It's good to be together again, worshiping you. And we are here, uh, I guess to some degree, because we've been given uh, some permission to do it but lord we're here because we're in christ and we're family and we are one so i thank you lord for what you have done for us in christ i thank you for uh, the relationship that's ours through jesus and so i'm just uh, wanting to uh, rejoice with my brothers and sisters here this morning in what you have accomplished for us in jesus that we have been brought together. We're not separated anymore. So we thank you for that. I pray that that would encourage our hearts and embolden us to invite others who are around us to enjoy the same kind of uh, freedom from separation from you and, and the hope that is found in Christ that we didn't used to have, but we do now. Thanks, Father, for your grace and your kindness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you all stand? Let's close with singing this morning. in Jesus' name. Sing Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. you guys have a wonderful week.